Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 82. Alongside Don Helbig, I'm Ryan Sir. Don, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great and very excited about this episode. Uh, we'd like to welcome Dalton Fisher, Communications Manager at Silver Dollar City. Dalton, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, getting used to the cold weather. It was literally 80 degrees here yesterday, and today the low was in the teens. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Dalton, let's let's dive right into it. Why don't you uh, tell us about yourself and what you do as the manager of communications at Silver Dollar City? Yeah, so I work for the Silver Dollar City company. That's part of Hershen Enterprises. Silver Dollar City is the first park in that family, opened May 1st, 1960. Uh, we're a 100-acre, uh, 1880s theme park. We're not a Western theme park. We're more of an Ozark, a pioneer-inspired theme park. So when people say we're all about cowboys, we're not. We have one ride, Outlaw Run, that kind of goes with that motif, but uh, not cowboys necessarily. Um, so I do communications, PR, promotions, publicity, all of those words, put all that in a bucket. I do that for Silver Dollar City and then also our water park, Whitewater. It's a 13-acre uh, tropical-themed water park in Branson, Missouri. And then I also work for the Showboat Branson Bell, which is a 700-seat paddle wheeler that goes out on the show on the uh, Table Rock Lake uh, almost every single day. Uh, that's lake excursions with a three-course meal. Uh, it also has a show element to it. And then we also have our Silver Dollar City uh, campground, which is the closest way you can stay at Silver Dollar City uh, without being in a hotel. It's a really uh, quaint place to, to either pitch a tent or um, be in one of our rustic cabins. Uh, we do have cabins with air conditioning, uh, jacuzzi tubs, flat screen TVs. So it's not as uh, rustic as you, as you might think. But uh, anything that I do typically deals with uh, media, whether it's traditional new media, uh, and then also any promotions that we're doing uh, with news stations, now influencers, that's a huge buzzword in our industry, uh, at least with communications. And so uh, crisis stuff as well, uh, just kind of depends on what's going on. Now, you've been a longtime enthusiast before you started even working at Silver Dollar City, right? So uh, tell us about, uh, you have a podcast, Corkscrew Combo. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Corkscrew Combos. It's uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he and I do that. It was a passion project that he wanted to start during the pandemic. And so, like so many people, we uh, we decided we were going to do a podcast. And uh, uh, he really is the lifeblood of that. And I I consider myself like a um, a guest every single week. In a way, we have guests as well. But um, that's Corkscrew Combos. It's on all streaming platforms. And I've been an enthusiast since um, really I was six years old, I think, is the story I'm sticking to. Um, it's when I went on vacation uh, with my mom, actually, and uh, went to see some of her family. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, being there, and I was left uh, to my own devices with a computer and a game called Roller Coaster Tycoon. I had no idea what I was doing, not a clue. And so I would go on these pre-built parks and think, oh, this is just so cool. And from there, I was hooked. I remember the Six Flags commercials when they would do national commercials, seeing those with Mr. Six around. Um, I would always have toys around roller coasters that sort of thing. And so um, my first roller coaster was actually in Branson. It was at Celebration City. It was the Ozark Wildcat. Uh, and ever since then, I, I, I was hooked. Um, if you could always find me on a roller coaster as much as I could be, um, you know, I'd visited places that uh, I'd only seen in still magazines. Um, I did grow up with the internet, but I, I always loved magazines too. Um, so going to places like Cedar Point, Dollywood, Kings Island, those were places I always wanted to go to. And then finally, when I got in college, got to go to Orlando. I got to experience IAPA. And now I've been all over the place. My coolest 
credit of a park is Universal Singapore. I always tote that around saying I got to go there and, and ride their wacky Vacoma dueling suspended sit down. That was an awesome ride. Um, so that's like my furthest credit that I have as far as parks go. Um, but Silver Dollar City has always been home um, to me. Uh, grew up going down there multiple times a year. Um, so much so, in fact, I was actually born in Branson while my family was on vacation in Branson. So it's kind of come full circle for me. Yeah, you're just, it's in your blood, isn't it? Hey, so so about, talk, speaking of Silver Dollar City, not only is it the place of your birth, uh, but it's entering its 64th year of operation. Uh, so the park has some interesting origins. Can you t uh, speak to that a little bit and tell us about how Silver Dollar City got started? I mean, if you go back countless, countless years and generations, and you go all the way back to the the Osage people, um, they knew about this cave that still is where Silver Dollar City is today, this cave that was mysterious. Uh, bats would fly out of this cave. Uh, there were, according to lore and legend, um, there were uh, uh, some folks who even fell down into the cave hunting. Um, and from there, they knew it and called it a, a cursed place, really. Uh, and so it wasn't until about the 1500s when Spanish explorers uh, found the cave. Uh, they were looking for what they thought might be a fountain of youth, city of gold, that sort of thing. We actually have an old Spanish ladder down in the cave. That's a, uh, you can't see it on normal tour. I believe you can find it on our lantern tours. That's a whole different story we could talk about. But um, the Spanish were there. And then uh, after the Civil War, a, a group of veterans decided that they would start a mining company because they had found this cave and they had thought that there was marble inside of this cave from uh, some reports that they had heard. So they go down and they think that marble's there. They decide to open uh, the marble mining company. They call the cave effectively Marble Cave. Uh, they try and mine marble, but they, they can't find it. What they thought was marble wasn't really. Uh, so they keep looking for this marble, but they need to make money, right? So along the way, they realize there's a lot of bat guano, bat droppings down in Marble Cave. And so they use that to make explosives, gunpowder, TNT, um, that sort of thing. And actually, a lot of rides at Silver Dollar City are based on the history of this cave, Powder Keg. It, it's, a, it's a launching coaster that uses gunpowder and dynamite. Well, that's ties back into the bat guano story of the park. But um, they were mining this out. It effectively... Uh, a good price. Uh, and so, unfortunately, bat guano is finite. Um, but they did mine it for a few years. Uh, they actually established a town above Marble Cave, cave called Marmaros. That's Greek for marble. They're very creative with their names here. Uh, and Mar Marmaros uh, was where folks would live while the, the, the mine existed. So you would have businesses there, a mill, a hotel, that sort of thing. Um, and then once the guano was finally gone and the jig was up, um, they got a geologist down from St. Louis, finally. They put their money where their mouth was, this, mar this mining company, and said, okay, show us where this marble is. We know it's down here. Nope, sorry, everyone. There's no marble. It's all limestone, and limestone is effectively worthless to mine. So the town was abandoned, uh, and then around the 1890s, a, a family from Canada, the Lynch family, William Lynch, uh, decided to buy the cave. Uh, he knew about the area and how beautiful it was. He wanted to try and start some cave tours. Uh, between that time of William Lynch moving down with his daughters Miriam and Genevieve Lynch, he realized this town that was above Silver Dollar, that was above Marble Cave, uh, Marmaros, was burnt to the ground. Hmm, that's kind of weird. Uh, so, anyways, he, he doesn't really worry about that. He starts doing these cave tours. Well, the story, of course, is that a, a group of vigilantes, the Bald Knobbers, um, they didn't really want a Canadian around these parts. And so the story is that they they burned the town to the ground. And that's the story that seems to stick the most with why uh, the town was burnt and abandoned. Um, 
they start doing these cave tours. Eventually, Mr. Lynch dies, and <laughs> Miriam and Genevieve, they start doing cave tours. And then you enter the Hershend family. They're from Chicago area, Will Met to be exact. Uh, they come down here in, in uh, the 30s and 40s, and they're in love uh, with the area, how it looks, how beautiful it is, the wildflowers, the cliffs, the streams, the White River. That was the biggest river here. Eventually, the White River is dammed up to allow for not only hydroelectricity, uh, but also it creates Table Rock Lake and Taney Como. So it's a tourism place, uh, effectively. You can't really farm anything here. It's very rocky soil. Um, and so tourism is how these folks uh, make a living uh, by people visiting and they're effectively selling uh, what they do uh, to folks you're visiting, like the Hershens. So the Hershens go to this cave. They decide after coming here for years, Hugo and Mary, they decide, you know what, we want to buy this cave and we want to do cave tours, buy the, the cave business from the Lynch sisters. So the Lynch sisters give them a 99-year lease on the cave. They start doing cave tours. And what Hugo and Mary do with their sons, Jack and Pete, is they decide we're going to make these quality of life improvements to the cave. Uh, up until the Hershens bought the cave, you would literally go down a wooden ladder to the top of a debris pile, put on coveralls with a leather bottom and slide down a debris pile. Uh, if you wanted to explore the cave, then you'd pickaxe your way up the debris pile when you're done after your four hour tour by lantern light only. And then you'd ascend the wooden ladder to get um, out of the cave. Uh, so what they did is they put in a steel tower structure, they poured in concrete stairs. And probably the most important thing they did is they installed a cable train, uh, really a, a turning vinicular railway um, to get you out of the cave. Uh, and so those quality of life uh, adjustments and improvements, that's what brought more and more people to the cave every single year. So much so in fact that they realized in about 1959, 1960, we gotta do something because the lines are too long for this cave. And so they effectively create Silver Dollar City at the top of what they now call Marvel Cave, based off Marble Cave. That was a Lynch name that they, they came up with, but uh, that became Silver Dollar City at the top of the cave. The PR professional there at the time, Don Richardson, is credited with the idea of giving change out in Silver Dollars. is a great PR tactic, um, the publicity stunt, because you would go to uh, the grocery store, the bank, wherever you give your change a Silver Dollar, and in 1960s, people would say, where do you get a Silver Dollar? I haven't seen those before in a while. Oh, Silver Dollar City, of course. And so the Hershens realized they were in the theme park business, and the rest <clears> is history. 40 rides and attractions now. I'm not sure that the average person could tell you there's a cave underneath Silver Dollar City. We do free tours every day on the hour, typically. Um, it's still there. It, like I said, it's included with admission. Um, unfortunately, Hugo never saw Silver Dollar City um, become reality. Uh, he, he died before our first day, May 1st, 1960. Um, but almost every single thing in this park goes back to that cave or the people of the Ozarks that were so special to Mary and Hugo in some way, shape, or fashion. Mary was known as a conservationist. Um, she loved the beauty. That's what drove her from Chicago down here to basically upend her life and, and start this cave business. And that's why we have so many beautiful trees still in our park, um, natural uh, foliage, uh, plants, all that good stuff. Well, you get to where you are today. Silver Dollar City voted number one theme park in the U.S. by TripAdvisor. So what makes the park such a special place? TripAdvisor review really speaks to what makes it so special. The TripAdvisor rating that we got was purely from reviews <laughs> taken over a, a year's worth time. So we couldn't, you know, people couldn't vote for that. Um, it wasn't that simple um, to, to get that. And so I think it 
what makes us so special really starts with our people. And I kind of hinted on that originally. We call ourselves uh, as if we're in the heart of the Ozarks because we are, uh, but it's those Ozark people, the culture is what makes it so special. You know, we never know when people visit Silver Dollar City, they could have just had some of the best news of their life, and that's why they're there celebrating with us, or they could have just been given the worst news of their life, and that's why they're spending time with us. And so every host, every citizen at our park knows that that's the reality in this industry we work in at our park. And so I really do think that's what makes it so special. We do have these highly themed rides. We have the tree coverage. Uh, we have these state-of-the-art rides. Uh, we have one-of-a-kind rides, world record-breaking rides. We have award-winning entertainment. We have food that's different from your typical funnel cake popcorn. But I do think it really does come back to those people uh, and the spirit that they have into taking care of each other. We really love the golden rule at Silver Dollar City, and it's all about creating memories worth repeating for us. So I think that's probably what it is. I, I, I'm sure Time Traveler and Outlaw Run, they have a spot in there uh, with what makes it so special. And the cave, of course, the setting. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So, um, you know, the the Frisca Silver Dollar Line steam train is an iconic attraction. Can you talk about that and what makes it such a special train? Yeah, what's really interesting about our train is when Jack and Pete decided they would wanted to put a train in, uh, they were sold a steam train that they were told could ascend what they call a, a 5% grade. Uh, it could go uphill, essentially. And so they said, okay, so they bought the train. They they didn't even have the tracks constructed, from what I understand yet. They constructed the tracks, got the train on there, <laughs> fired it up, went down the course. Halfway through, they realized they couldn't get it up the hill. <laughs> so Pete says, if someone ever tells you that they they can sell you a train that climbs the grade, don't believe them. He says, run, don't walk away from them. Uh, but that train needed a way to build up steam. And so halfway through the ride at the bottom of the valley that the train tracks are in, um, they decided, Jack and Pete, well, we'll just have a robbery. That would happen in the 1880s. And so the robbery still happens to this day. Our steam engines are much, much larger than what they were, so they can ascend the hill no problem. There's really no need to stop at this point. Um, but that's what makes our train special. The robbery that happens um, and and all of the pan the banter that happens between um, the guests and the robbers and the train conductor, all of that's great. But also the setting. I mean, you go back to where we're at in the Ozark Mountains. We take you literally through the trees, through valleys, um, to places that you wouldn't normally see unless you rode that train. Um, and just the iconic train whistle, um, the way that it moves through the park. And as Pete said, there wasn't a town that was successful in the 1880s that didn't have a railroad track running right through the middle. And so that goes back to our theme uh, as well. So definitely do the train. And then during an old time Christmas, it becomes the Frisco sing-along steam train uh, where we do Christmas carols throughout November and December. And then you hear the story of Christmas halfway through instead of the robbery scene. So it's a little bit different, but both are great times to be on the train. And if you love coasters, you get to get some awesome angles and views of the coasters you wouldn't normally see at our park because real estate is very precious at Silver Dollar City. A lot of hills. Uh, we don't have parking lots with coasters on them. Um, it, our landscape's very unique and, and very rugged. Now, the train ride experience is about, what, about 20 minutes? Easily. Uh, 20 to 25 minutes, depending on uh, how busy we are. We like to keep the trains moving a little bit quicker if we have if we have a busy day. But yeah, it's, it's a good chunk of your day. And it really is kind of a, a ritualistic thing. It's something that people have grown up. It's legendary for them to do. Um, it's just one of those attractions. Uh, actually, not our first attraction. That's those were the stage coaches. Those don't exist anymore, but it's been there for a long time. And you have a mine train ride that's pretty notable. 
uh, known as the fastest aero mine train out there. Talk about that one. Yeah, that's Thunderation. I grew up on that ride. Thunderation has a very unique double helix that goes into a tunnel. Um, that's where you reach that uh, fastest speed as you come out of that tunnel and you dive down into the valley, uh, going through the trees. I mean, it is a wild mine train ride. Uh, it's in the later stages of Arrow's life. Um, and so you can see where they were getting more ambitious with their mine train designs. But it's it's really when people say they like a quote unquote what I call them terrain coaster. Um, that ride is a terrain coaster. Uh, up until the very end, you ascend a lift hill and you do kind of a 180 turnaround with a drop. Uh, but other than that, you're almost always a couple feet above the ground. And when you're that close to the ground, theme things seem a lot faster uh, than they really are. But yeah, very very fast ride. A great mine train. So Silver Dollar City is also a pretty good haven for people that are into like crafts. Can you talk about those activities? Yes, uh, we call ourselves the home of American craftsmanship. And I say that we call ourselves that we're actually designated by U.S. Congress as the home of American craftsmanship. Uh, and so we have over 100 demonstrating crafters every single day, these artisans in our crafts colony. Um, demonstrating crafts in a way that would have been done in the 1880s. You go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, uh, and I was talking about how, uh, you know, you can't farm anything here. You're really making the tools. You have to know how to blacksmith. You have to know how to make some of the things that you're eating off of and out of. Uh, you have to just know how to do that to survive. And so that's where the crafting comes such has such an important part of our park. Um, no matter if you're going to our glass blowing, our pottery making, um, soap making, candle making, candy making, everything that ends in making, uh, we're doing at Silver Dollar City, but we're doing it right in front of you. And there's the demonstration element. And that that's what was so important to Jack and Pete and to Mary that, that the demonstrations would happen in front of you, that you could have a real relationship and a real conversation with our crafters. You know, if you go and see our glass blowers, you know, they've got a PA system and they've got a microphone so they can tell the group of 40, 50 people watching at any time what's going on. But between the time they're setting up to their next demonstration, you can go right up to to that plexiglass barrier and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this? And they'll happily answer your questions one on one. Uh, our our best fans, I should say, maybe not best is the best word for that, but our most devoted fans they absolutely love um, talking to our crafts folk and they know them by name. They know their families. They know everyone or everything about them. And so that's really special too. Uh, and of course you can purchase all of these things they make in our park. And we have this little tag we attach to everything that says home of American craftsmanship. So if you're ever at our park and you see that sticker or that tag, you know that it's made in the park. And actually this is an exciting year for us. Our furniture factory burned down a couple of years ago. And so we're opening our brand new furniture factory now. Uh, we brought in equipment ranging from 1880s all the way to the 1920s. We're trying our best to, again, make stuff, you know, period appropriate. Um, but we're creating furniture in our park. I don't know a lot of theme parks where you can buy a bed frame or a chest of drawers or a wardrobe on your way out. Yeah, I don't know of any either, but uh, you're also known uh, Silver Dollar City for its live shows, special events. What are some of the shows and events that you have planned this year? Yeah, we have a variety of festivals. I mean, we start with spring break. That's really rides oriented, and we'll, we'll bring in uh, different entertainment for that. It's really more family focused. But when we start with Street Fest, uh, we like to do uh, entertainment that might make you go, hmm, that's interesting, or How'd they do that? Some things we have, we have the Living Garden where we have some uh, folks that look like statues and there's some uh, 
different fantastical elements with that. We have a circus um, as well that comes in for that. Uh, and then we go into bluegrass and barbecue. That's in the month of May. Uh, there's a group out there called the International Bluegrass Music Association. They have a publication as well. They've actually designated that as a top bluegrass event in the world. And so we'll have, if you know anything about bluegrass, some of the biggest names in bluegrass, uh, Ricky Skaggs. Uh, we've had Doyle Brunson. Um, we've had... Um, uh, Rhonda Vincent, Dalian Vincent, uh, just a variety of folks uh, who are super popular in this industry, playing music every single day. And of course, the barbecue element there too. So if you love bluegrass, um, that's the event for you. Then we jump into summer celebration. Uh, you're going to see more of that family-oriented uh, entertainment happening. But during that, we'll have the summer concert series. We'll bring in different groups for that. Uh, this year, we're going to have the Newsboys. That's one of the, the biggest uh, bands that we'll have for that period. We do a country music weekend where we'll have this year uh, Ricochet, Lone Star, and Sarah Evans. That's a three-day event different artists each night we do a young christians weekend in uh, early april that's where we bring in uh, christian entertainment uh, contemporary christian entertainment and then we have what are kind of the granddaddies when you talk about festivals the harvest festival and an old time christmas uh, that's basically the beginning of September all the way to the end of December. Um, so we'll line the streets with over 10,000 real pumpkins during Harvest Festival. We'll have a, a nighttime element. There's no scare. There's not even any frowns. Uh, we have bats, of course, because we have uh, a cave. We have bats that are made out of pumpkins, but no fangs on them. So it's completely G-rated, uh, nothing scary at all, uh, but a great time to get some night rides. And then, of course, an old-time Christmas starts the week after that wraps. Six and a half million Christmas lights um, and that is in itself a spectacle. It's really a Hallmark movie uh, in a park. So Outlaw Run was the first ground up RMC and it seemed to be pretty well received. Can you talk about that? The decision to put it in to work with RMC and, you know, how its legacy has kind of lived on after several years of operation? <clears throat> Yeah, there's a variety of reasons why that ride was chosen. We typically have a 10-year master plan at Silver Dollar City where we might not know in 10 years, you know, let's go all the way back to 2003 because that's LL Run opened in 13. You know, they didn't know back then we're going to have a wooden roller coaster that goes upside down three times. It'll have a max speed of this, blah, blah, blah. They just know, okay, in 2013, you know, we might have a capital project. And that could, of course, change with how things happen with the economy and that sort of thing. But once you get into those final planning years, say three, four years out, that's when the research starts to get real, when they start to look around and say, okay, at least at Silver Dollar City, we want something that's family friendly. We want something typically that has some sort of record attached to it or qualifier, uh, something that gets folks, if they're driving here from, from Houston, Dallas, Denver, Memphis, Chicago, they're coming towards us. They have all these things they could do on the way here, but what's going to make them make that final push to come and visit us in the Ozark Mountains? And so that's how Outlaw Run uh, basically happened. Uh, as you know, a wooden roller coaster going upside down, um, kind of unheard of. It's been done once for a while, and even then it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is working out too well and the inversion's removed and all of that, but um, with Outlaw Run, it's really stood the test of time knock on wood i mean literally wood <laughs> it, we're in its 11th season now um it's easily my favorite ride at the park uh, i can rewrite it all day long it's very quick it's very fast but you're right it was the first not only a ground up rmc it was also the first rmc to use uh, their own trains um, and so that makes it special as well um, and 
what's interesting about that ride too is where it's located. It's actually located on a cliff. And so the lift hill doesn't look extremely tall. It's about 110 feet tall, I believe, but you get about an extra 50 feet from the ravine that you dive off of. And so that's where you get the speed. I know it's in the top five, both <laughs> tallest and fastest wooden coasters still. Um, the, the ride just hauls. I mean, the ride <laughs> screams. Any event we do with coaster enthusiasts, um, that is the ride that they they want ERT on. That's the ride they want the most time spent on. Um, it's, it's their favorite. And so uh, it's a ride that I think for a lot of people is their favorite coaster enthusiast or not. And it certainly is a ride uh, that puts Silver Dollar City on the map as a destination for coaster enthusiasts. Really from coast to coast, you had to go there and experience it. Then you follow it up with Time Traveler. Talk about that ride. Yeah, it's kind of the same thinking as what we just talked about with choosing Time Traveler uh, and choosing Mach as the manufacturer of that ride. There's a variety of concepts looked at, and that's that's what stuck. And so the theme is a little bit interesting on that one. It's a steampunk theme, and and some people think, oh, gears, 1880s, cool. Well, there's there's a closer tie-in to that. Actually, um, Jules Verne was writing most of his work in the 1880s, and so the idea with Time Traveler was, what if there was a clock factory that would have you know you had clock factories back then, uh, and a general is reading Jules Verne. He's fascinated by the writings, and he thinks he thinks he might have found the key to time traveler. To time travel, you know, he's reading Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Around the World in Eighty Days, and his daughter Emmeline says, oh, "I believe in you, Dad. I think this is possible." And so that's why time traveler exists. It's in a clock factory, and why it talks about time and that sort of thing. And you time travel every day at Silver Dollar City. We take you back to the eighteen eighties, um, but it had a few elements that made it special. It has that ninety degree drop straight out of the gate. Uh, it went upside down three times, it had two launches, and it was the only spinning coaster in the world to do all of these things together. Um, and that was also a very special ride for us to to bring on to our park. Um, and, you know, testing that ride, if you've ever seen that video of the spinning car on Blue Fire at Europa Park, uh, that was created to make sure that the concept worked, that Time Traveler was going to to uh, function as intended. And through that and through that testing, uh, they determined the the powers that be at our parks that um, you know we need to slow the spinning down a little bit. It was it was a teacup on a roller coaster. That's not what we're looking for. There are other parks that might be looking for that. Silver Dollar City's not. Go back to Outlaw Run. As intensive a ride that that is, it is still designed for families. Um, there are of course more intense rides in Outlaw Run even. And so with Time Traveler, they came up with this unique, ingenious design to dampen the spin. Now, there was this term thrown out there, controlled spin. Um, that's true, but I don't want people to think you ride Time Traveler and it's something like Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's the same motion every single time. You're spinning the same way. Um, this is all um, completely driven by who's on the car, but a, mag a magnet that effectively slows the spinning down. So every ride is different. If you do want to get a good spin, try and get you and a buddy on one side and no one on the other side. That's my pro tip to you. Yep. It's all about the laws of physics. Can't violate them. All right. So, uh, you know, getting down to, uh, closer to this year, um, last year at the end of 2023, you retired your iconic fire in the hole attraction. So that was what, about 50 years old. Tell us about the uh, the decision to retire that attraction. Obviously, it's been announced that a new one's coming, but were you worried that you know when they announced they were going to close this attraction, that was just so beloved by so many people that the reaction was going to be negative, or like what was what were the internal discussions about that? 
So in my stint at Silver Dollar City, I had actually uh, left the company in August 2020, and I came back April of 2023. So the decision to um, say it was closing had already happened. Um, but this is what I can tell you. On December 30th, the last day that this ride operated, so less than two months ago, um, there were people leaving that exit line, not with like tears in their eyes, but tears flowing down their face. I mean, this ride was extremely special to them. And the park did know that, of course. Um, it was one of our sacred cows at the park, we call it. There's fire in the hole, there's cinnamon bread, there's fried chicken, there's Southern gospel music, and then there's fire in the hole. It's, it's, it is Silver Dollar City's one of its lifeblood attractions. It's what made us so special and so loved. So 51 year history, over 25 million riders, um, taking it out was not something I want to think was easy um, for the park to do, but rides reach a point where you have to make decisions. Uh, and, and I think what speaks to our decision the best of, of being what seems something that Silver Dollar City would do is we would build this ride somewhere else and give it the money, the time, the respect that the legacy of the ride uh, deserves. And so with the new ride, uh, over $30 million, that sticker, that that price tag on that ride is more than Time Traveler. It's more than Outlaw Run uh, because we want to make sure that that ride is here for another 50 plus years. Uh, we had people on December 30th on the original who rode with their grandparents in 1972, now riding with their great grandchildren in 2023. So seven generations um, all in one ride, um, it really touched the lives and hearts of so many people. I mean, fire in the hole, especially to the core, the local culture here in the Ozarks. I mean, it's just something you you wrote it when you were a kid. You wrote it in high school. You wrote it with maybe your first date. You wrote it with your kids. I mean, it's 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 like baseball is to America. You know, fire in the hole is to the Ozarks. There's so much story and, and lore around it, and so um, you know, I think the reception was was incredible. Um, the, the love that that ride received. I, I would tell you a few years before last year, I mean, you can go back to 2022. I don't know that Fire in the Hole ever really had a line outside of when the weather wasn't decent or, um, you know, during Christmas when it's one of the few things opened. And that ride every single day, it didn't matter what day of the week it was last year, had a line. Uh, and of course, we want to move that line as quickly as we can. But that just showed how popular it, that it was. And so the 30th was such a special day. We'll, we'll probably never be able to have that much emotion in the park ever again, frankly. Um, but um, I think, and I hope that we did that ride justice um, because it deserved it. Well, with the ending of that ride comes the beginning of a new version of Fire in the Hole. Uh, the storyline for the new Fire in the Hole, it's a little bit expanded offering from the original creation. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the original ride, uh, it goes back to that story when I was talking about the cave, a town that was burned to the ground by a group of vigilantes called the Bald Knobbers. Um, this was a group of folks who, uh, in a time when there was really not much law and order down here, they decided that they wanted to um, do that themselves. And so uh, it was a real group that existed down here. Uh, we're not certain that the town was burned down by the Bald Knobbers. Uh, we're, we're pretty certain. That's kind of the, the lore in the story here. What this ride is about it's a fictional retailing of a historic night that did happen. Uh, the town was burned to the ground. We know that. And so we said, well, what if we expanded that story? Like you said, Don, what if it's Silver Dollar City, you go back to Time Traveler, we talk about how there's a clock factory. What if there's a pumper factory? 
Uh, a pumper is a steam-powered device used to fight fires. Uh, this is really when folks realized, hey, we can pump water faster using steam power. It can be steam-propelled. We don't need horses anymore. So we created this pumper factory that serves as the entrance to Fire in the Hole. Uh, you are there as a guest uh, on the grand reveal, the grand opening day for an all-new pumper wagon model. And, of course, coincidentally, the day that you're there, that's the day that uh, – you know, the, the town of Silver Dollar City is on fire. And so while you think you're just going to look at this new pumper wagon, nope, you're going to jump right in and you're going to help fight this fire. And so you board these beautiful, um, what look like pumpers, these RMC coaster cars. Uh, it's RMC's first ever family coaster, first ever indoor ride. Um, and it takes you through what is essentially the same layout of the original. I mean, I could tell you it goes left, it goes straight, it goes left, it goes left, it goes up, it goes left. Like I've got the layout memorized, uh, but these scenes, these iconic scenes that existed before are now enhanced. Uh, and not only enhanced, the entire ride now has onboard audio in the cars. So if you were to ride the original Fire in the Hole, it was almost as if you were watching it from a third person view as the story's taking place. And the story didn't really make much sense. I mean, the only way you would know about the history of the original one or the story is if someone told you or you researched it yourself. Uh, so now the story is going to be very obvious because it's going to be narrated. There's going to be onboard audio. You're going to know what's happening. You're helping the fire chief fight the fire and capture three specific bald knobbers, Patches, Wiley, and Bugs. Uh, they're running uh, away from you. They're trying to stop you. They're putting dynamite in all the wrong places. They're kind of a Three Stooges type character, Home Alone villain-esque uh, group of characters. Uh, so much so that the final um, uh, thing you encounter with these bald knobbers is uh, they put dynamite on the water tower. Uh, so that blows up. That puts the fire out effectively, uh, but it also serves as the water splash finale in the ride. In the original ride, you just kind of went under a dynamite shack, you heard fire in the hole, and you hit water. And it's like, okay, I'm not really sure why that all ties together, but now it's more cohesive with the story. So um, seeing some of the uh, effects we have in this ride has been tremendous for me. Um, we've, I think we've done an excellent job, to be honest. Uh, I'm very happy with it as someone who grew up going to this park. Um, one something I'm really looking forward to is the burning bridge scene where the bridge will actually fall as you uh, go through the bridge, as you go down that first drop, uh, instead of the second drop, which used to be a coffee can with a light inside of it moving to make it seem like a train was going to collide with you. Now we've 3D printed our actual uh, front facing facade of our actual steam train. Uh, so that's going to add some more immersiveness to it. And so that's really the, what it's all about, making the ride more immersive, more repeatable. And the ride is in a fully HVAC controlled building. So we can have this thing open March, July, December, you pick, it'll be open. That's very cool. Now you have 14 iconic show scenes. Um, I imagine that, you know, we've seen the, uh, the audio animatronics for, you know, fire in the hole as well as blazing fury, you know, sister rides. Um, can you tell us about the new technology that's going to be used? Like, uh, and maybe who's manufacturing or are they, are they being done in house this time or who are you partnering with? We typically like to do as much as we can in house. So we have Hershend, uh, creative studios that does a lot of this for us um they're experts in in so many different things and they they know where to look and, and where to go and how to get things done um some of those different elements that have been upgraded um, there's now this fiber optic fuse effect where you'll see the fuse of this dynamite uh, you'll actually see what looks like the fuse being lit as it goes across we've actually um, brought as much over from the original ride as we could in the new one um, because we recognize the importance of that as well to pay homage to the original ride uh, but 
other effects, I mean, we have the burning bridge, which falls. That's going to be, you know, going to catch people completely off guard. There's a really, really cool effect I'm looking forward to with one of the bald knobbers called Bugs. Um, in the original ride, you'd go down kind of this dark hallway, and all of a sudden, there'd be this bald knobber with a bucket, and he'd go, here's a barrel of laughs, and then he'd just disappear, and you're like, okay, that was interesting. Uh, something special is going to happen with him. I, I don't want to tell you what it is, because it's really going to ruin the surprise. That's one where you're going to have to ride and, and see what that is. Um, but... Um, you know, also just some of these show scenes using these um, this light mapping technology to replicate stars. It just looks beautiful in there. Um, but also recognizing that some of these animatronic effects that we had in the old ride, um, there's something charming about that. And so that's been what has been the biggest challenge for uh, Hirsch and Creative. And I think they've done a good job is replicating that charm um, that the old one had. So um, I think people are going to be pleased with it. I think some of the effects are... Um, just so good looking. I mean, as you go up to the burning bridge, there had always been this water element to it of a of what looked like a small creek uh, running down by the bridge. Now there's like a giant stream, and as you approach the bridge, the scale of it, I mean, you're going to feel like you're outside, and that's a real bridge you're about to go on. And, of course, with updated lighting effects and things being in the dark, there's the you have illusion on your side, right, where you can accomplish that. And so that's going to help um, really build this scale uh, that you might not have seen with the old one. Um, and we now have onboard um, on-ride photography. That's exciting, too. We've never had that. It was our number one requested um, improvement we make to the original that we just couldn't make happen. And now we're going to have that on our new one. Dalton, I got to ask, uh, do you have a background in sales? Because you just sold me on 100% needing to come down and experience this attraction. My uh, major in college is sales. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, you sold me on making a trip, but you talked about uh, a number of the, uh, you know, the props and that, that what you could move over to the new one you did. Did any from the original that weren't moved over to any of those make their way into your office? They did not. Uh, we've been very, very um, um, critical of those pieces moving over and moving as much as we possibly can. Uh, we're still determining what's happening with pieces that can't be moved over. Uh, but those really, really iconic things you'll notice, I think a lot of it you you probably won't notice, and that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's like it should belong there, so you're not really thinking about it. Uh, but some of those iconic pieces, there's the beautiful mural as you entered the uh, Q building of the original uh, that depicts this night that happened where the bald knobbers burned the town to the ground. That's now at the exit as you come down um, out of the uh, ride queue. You'll see that as, as kind of your final thing as you exit the building. Uh, there was this painting of a gentleman. Um, he's sitting down, and his foot is actually coming out of the painting. It's like a little um, uh, figurine sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, it's very charming. It's definitely the original ride. We've put that back in the new one in the same spot as you're coming back into the station. Um, that'll be above. Um, and so that it really mesh. I mean, there's all these different things we've moved over that, you know, as you're going through the ride, you're probably going to think, Oh, this is just a really good themed ride. But me walking through it, I'm finding these little things like, Oh, there's the carriage from the hotel that's there. And Oh, this was in this one spot. Now it's over here. Um, that's, that's been really cool to watch. And, um, it's going to be great to see how the new technology merges with the old. As you come back after the water splash, you're coming back in the station, you do a final 90 degree turn. There's going to be a, a digital animation screen, uh, where you're going to see actual, our actual master craftsmen, um, thanking you for saving the city. And these are people who are really at the park today, our master potter, master candy maker. Um, and how that meshes with the old school theming, I think is going to be very special for us. 
So Dalton, um, word on the street is that testing has begun for this ride. Are you able to tell us like what kind of stage you're in? Yeah, testing has begun on the ride. Um, I would expect um, it, you know, really everything's going along swimmingly from what um, I understand at this point. Um, we're very excited to announce still a spring opening. Um, I think March is going to be very likely. I would say stay tuned to all social media platforms, Silver Dollar City, and you're going to see an announcement um, very, very soon on when those dates are. Um, I've seen it test. I've seen it go through the water splash. I've seen it go through some of the scenes. Um, it's it's looking great. One really cool thing about it that uh, your listeners might find interesting, if you've been on the original um, when you come back in the station, there are two foot pedals and the ride operator pushes their foot on those foot pedals and that would release the restraint for each car. Uh, we actually brought that over to the new car design. So there's still foot pedals. It still gives that old school vibe of the restraints coming up, clicking down um, that you can't really replicate with, with the new pneumatic style restraints. So I'm happy to see that those little things have been brought over. But as uh, what I've seen, testing is going on swimmingly. They've been there every single day testing it. Um, and I think they're happy with what they're seeing. Now talk about how big of an investment this is, not only for Silver Dollar City, but perhaps the company. Yeah, this is the largest investment um, on an attraction of any of the parks at Hershey Enterprises. Um, so you basically, we had to build a five-story, what is an airplane hangar is what it looks like inside of there, then put a ride inside of it, then build a second building to house the station. Uh, and then of course, remember with coasters, you have to have a place to work on your coaster cars. There's a maintenance bay inside of the building. Um, it's just, when you add a building to things, that increases the complexity and the cost. Uh, but it's also a blessing because we've been able to work on this thing every single day, no matter what's happening with the elements outside. That's something else to consider. Um, but it's a sizable investment. Um, we continue to invest in Silver Dollar City. And uh, I think uh, if you're if you're from this area or you come to this park a lot, you're going to be very happy with what the future has in store for you at Silver Dollar City. Absolutely. So speaking of Silver Dollar City, the subject of matter. Um, so you get free parking at Silver Dollar City. Um what else can you share that makes Silver Dollar City like a unique value to the guests? Yeah, free parking is huge. Um, it doesn't matter when you're here. It doesn't matter what season pass you have. If you don't have a season pass, we've got free parking every single day. Add on to that, uh, we have free complimentary tram service. So it's not like, you know, you, you park far away, and then you got to pay to ride a tram. Uh, that's all complimentary as well. Of course, the cave, that's probably the biggest thing that makes our park special and stand out from others is um, there's only a handful of those, probably less than a handful in this country that have a cave attached to it. Um, so that's something that you can do. Um, I think really the spontaneity of the park makes us really special. If you come during the summer, um, you might just be walking around town square and all of a sudden some of our uh, image characters, the Hatfields and McCoys, they decide they're gonna have a water balloon fight and you're part of it. Get out here and do the water balloon fight and people are watching you as you do that. Um, just different little activations throughout that you might not be expecting. Just these little, what they call, um, these Andyisms or, uh, uh, I think it's Millerisms, um, <laughs> Um, it's, it's these things where the original designer of Silver Dollar City um, found these little areas to really make these little pops happen, these little surprises around every corner. There's, there's the ghost trap. Um, that's something that happens uh, that you'll have to find and figure out what the ghost trap is. Grandfather's Mansion in itself, one of the few remaining quote-unquote fun houses uh, still around with the slanting floors, optical illusions. Um, that's super special to us. Um, just how everything's laid out, how the park is created. You know, Jack was very intentional. He wanted you to feel um, like you were going deep into the woods. 
Um, that's why, you know, we could just level trees, I suppose, and make these midways, but we choose not to do that. Uh, and that goes back to Jack's vision of what the park should be. You had the craftsmen doing all their demonstrations, different entertainment. We have a saloon show every day. Um, all these things just start to become additional reasons that make us so special. And everything I've mentioned is included with the price of admission. Um, and so that, that's special. And even if you want to, we allow you to bring a full cooler in. If you want to bring your own food in, We'll let you do that. Um, whatever it takes uh, to make you have a great day here, uh, we're going to make it happen. And besides Silver Dollar City, what other Hershend properties are near the Branson area that uh, you know people could leverage uh, to make a multi-day visit out of it when they're traveling uh, to the area? Yeah, you've got Whitewater if you're here in the summer. That's a 13-acre water park. It's right off of uh, Highway 76 in Branson proper. Um, so if you're coming down here, that's definitely something you want to check out, especially if you love water parks. Um, we've got some of the standards you might find. We've got a mat racing slide. We've got some body slides, some tall ones. Uh, we've got uh, some of the slides where the floor drops out from underneath you. We've got tube slides, wave pool. Uh, what's so great about Whitewater is it's a place where you can just relax and just have a good day. It's kind of uh, a, a place where you can just hang out, do what you want to do at your own pace. Maybe you find base camp at a chair somewhere, and that's where you hang out for the day. Uh, the Showboat Branson Bell that is open when Silver Dollar City is open. So from March all the way to December, um, that is a fantastic way to experience Table Rock Lake, uh, which is the largest landlocked lake in the country with the most shoreline, uh, more shoreline on that lake than any other uh, landlocked lake in the country. Um, and you can also get a three-course meal through that. See a great show all in under two and a half hours. I think it's a not only a great value, but it's just a great way to experience the Ozarks, especially when people talk about how beautiful the Ozarks are. Table Rock Lake is protected by the Army Corps of Engineers. It's federal property, and so um, you can't build docks so close to the lake. you got to get special permits. So it's, it's a very beautiful, pristine lake. And then, of course, we have our campground, too. It's a great place to stay um, if you've never done um, – you know, sort of glamping, if you've wondered what glamping is, um, I think the Silver Dollar City Campground is the perfect definition of what that is. So we've got that. There's also plenty of things to do in the area. If you love beauty, if you love nature, if you like wholesome entertainment, um, we're a great place to come and and really live an adventure. Uh, and we're easily a two-day park. If, if you've ever been to our park, you know this. Uh, we are a two-day park, absolutely. Well, that's great. So if people want to keep up with the new fire in the hole and everything else that has to do with Silver Dollar City, where do they do that? Yeah, I think social media is the easiest way. At SDC Attractions, we're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. And every single platform, there's something a little bit different. So uh, explore as you wish. Uh, and then, of course, SilverDollarCity.com. Um, I think we have a great website, too. It's really the best place to figure everything out. And we have an app as well. The app allows you to plan your day. Uh, GPS is you through the park if you decide to visit. Uh, we still even do a paper map. Uh, ours looks like an actual newspaper, which is cool. It gets updated every week with new stories. Um, but those are probably the best ways to do it. Uh, uh, our social media manager does an insanely good job. I, I love just seeing the content he puts out there. So definitely give us a follow. And yeah, be paying very, very, very close attention these days as we get closer to the opening on March 9th of our park. Dalton, one final question. Uh, there's this great debate that is out there. Who has the best cinnamon bread? Silver Dollar City or Dollywood? I'll say this. Uh, our cinnamon bread is is quite different from each other. Uh, it's served differently. Uh, at Dollywood, uh, you take the bread uh, off the loaf and you dip it in the icing. Ours comes with the icing on top of it. Ours sets in like this butter filling at the bottom. Um, there's 
different reasons and different palettes for folks as to why they would like one over the other. Um, I'm honestly indifferent. I know that sounds like a typical PR answer, uh, but they're just so they're so different from each other that I think they each have different qualities. Um, what I do love a little bit more than that, though, uh, just across from our cinnamon bread restaurant, we have the Rivertown Smokehouse. That's our in-house barbecue restaurant. And we do a dessert there called cinnamon bread pudding, uh, where we use the cinnamon bread in a bread pudding. And it's my favorite dessert on our park, bar none. Doesn't even get close for me. Just added that to my list of things I have to check out. Cons, absolutely. Yeah, so they they have what they call cinnamon bread pudding at Aunt Granny's at Dollywood. Do you, is this the same thing, or am I going to have to go to Branson to check this out? I mean, it could be very similar. I would assume it's just like our cinnamon bread. Uh, I don't know who started it with the pudding or how that went down. Uh, my Dollywood knowledge is very, very lacking. Is it really? <laughs> uh, I think I think the folks would be disappointed in me over there. But uh, I just you live, breathe Silver Dollar City if you work there. And the same goes with Dollywood. You live, breathe, and eat Dollywood. And so uh, I think that's special. I mean, I love going there. Um, I definitely do. Um, but I, I can't tell you nearly as much as about Silver Dollar City or as Dollywood as I could Silver Dollar City. So Awesome. Well, Dalton, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a really, really cool uh, chat about Silver Dollar City because in this part of the country, it's you know if you think Hershen, you typically think Dollywood. And to a sure. lesser extent, we're actually really close to Kentucky Kingdom too. We didn't even touch them, okay. but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah it's uh, I, it's fascinating now. that uh, you got, you guys have the true. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say Western theme, the Ozark theme, and you're above a cave. I I don't I I knew that, but I don't think many of our listeners necessarily would know that. So that's really cool. Uh, but it sounds like you guys have a lot going on down there, and it's very very exciting, a very bright future for the park. It really started, you know, it's a hole in the ground. That's what started it all, whether it's Silver Dollar City, Dollywood, Kentucky Kingdom now, Wild Adventures. We have aquariums, too. We have the Vancouver Aquarium. We've got Newport uh, just outside of Cincinnati. We've got uh, Adventure Aquarium uh, just outside of, uh, of New York City, in the Jersey area. So um, there's plenty to do. We have the Harlem Globetrotters. A lot of people don't know yeah. that. That's a Hershen Enterprises um, uh, created property as well. Chuggington, it's a TV show on, on PBS. That's also Hershend. So there's there's a lot that's Hershend. Uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I, I, you yeah, know, I really like, uh, I know, you know, I, I'm a regular at Dollywood. Um, and I know the Dollywood company ha- owns a lot of the properties out there. But I imagine, you know, Hershen's probably tied into it. But, uh, you know, they've Correct. got the Hatfields and McCoys dinner feud and, you know, the Pirates Dinner Theater, is is that a Hershen thing or is that exclusively a Dollywood company thing? Or are they kind of one and the same? Uh, it's kind of actually, from what I understand, a separate entity in itself. Really? So, oh. yeah, it's similar with the Stampede and the Pink Jeep Tours and that sort of okay. thing. So, that's, yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you can consider um, uh, here, here in Branson, you know, Silver Dollar City, Whitewater, Showboat, Silver Dollar City Campground. That's part of the Silver Dollar City company. So. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you once again yeah. for being on the show. We'll we'll have to have you back on once um, the new Fire in the Hole opens and we can talk about it and the kind of rave reviews. And maybe by then we can even have like a POV to show people so they can see what they're missing. Yeah, please do. I should have that by then. I should have B-roll. I should have a ton of stuff. Photos from the inside. Um, that's that's coming very soon. That's what's on my plate right now, actually. So Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, Hopefully I get to write yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, SDC attractions is where to find them on all the socials, right? 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for everything. Cool. Yep. Well, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dalton, for being on the show. Make sure that you swing your way out to Branson, Missouri to check out the new Fire in the Hole as well as the many fine Silver Dollar City. Uh, this is their second RMC. Not a lot of parks can say that. You, know, you got to think about that, too. <laughs> yeah, but, we might have the tamest as well. <laughs> well, it it doesn't matter. The uh, You know, I'm most familiar with Blazing Fury, obviously. That's, you okay. know, so yep. Sister Rides. I, I know we're not talking about the same thing, yes. but I am a huge fan of that. So I can only imagine that this is going to be kind of a dream come true. It really is. And I was told by an RMC engineer from drop two to three, there's going to be just a tiny bit of airtime. So I guess they managed to work that in even on this RMC. That's good. That's that's a requirement. All right, everybody stick (laughs) around. We got the pick six coming up next.